There was magic in the air, yet few could see it. To the mortal eye there was nothing but a brash, bullying Scottish storm that blew like the devil's breath from the grey-swirling waters of the Sound of Mull. Lightning splintered the midnight sky, and thunder bellowed. Rain poured down from the heavens, and the sea crashed against the huge granite rocks of the coast, splattering white sea foam up from the sharp cliff on which Dwart Castle stood. For five hundred of its six hundred years, the castle had been the stronghold of the Clan MacLean, and host to their cousins, the Clan Macquarie. But the Battle of Culloden Moor had changed all that. On the dark, dank moor some sixty-seven years earlier, Scott's stubbornness had caused many a clan to lose its holdings. The Maclean's had lost their stronghold to the Sassanac Englishmen, who cared not a whit for the braw, bold power of the place. The castle stood empty now, dark and abandoned. Or so it appeared. The skies bellowed and cracked, and the seas roared. To mere mortals it was only another storm. But to those who knew, to those of the ancient faith, it was more than just the heavens and the earth battling. The witches were awake. Now there were witches, and there were witches, and then there were the Macquaries. Tis a sad tale, that of the Macquaries, a tale that had begun hundreds of years before this night. An ancient forefather of the current Macquarie had been summoned to the feet of the spring equinox in what is now the south of England. There, on a wide plain, stood a massive stone temple where the witches and warlocks met to demonstrate their powers. On that special spring it had been decreed that the Macquarie warlock would have the cherished honor of making those most precious springtime flowers, the roses, bloom. Other witches and warlocks had already walked into the center of the temple and used their magic to bring life back to a winter-dead earth. T'was a sight to see that day when, in a matter of moments, green grass broke through the sodden ground. Wallflower bushes, buttercups, and dandelions spread a frosting of bright yellow across the fresh green that had magically sprouted. Soon the barren branches of birch trees were dripping with silvery spring leaves, and tall, elegant alders burst anew. Oak, Ash and elm came back to life with little more than the casting of a spell, the flick of a hand, or the flashing snap of a witch's magic. The scent of jasmine, primrose, marigold, and lavender filled the cool morning air, and suddenly it was spring. Birds and insects swarmed through the air and perched in the trees, and the melody of the lark, the hum of the bees, and call of doves brought music to the land that had for too many cold, dreary months been silent. Then it was the Macquarie's turn. The crowd parted as he made his way to the center of the stone temple. The room was silent, so silent, one could have heard a blink as each and every witch and warlock waited for that special moment. The Macquarie stood there for a long moment of quiet concentration. Slowly, he raised his hands toward the massive ceiling, and with a snap of his fingers, let loose his magic. No roses bloomed that day. Instead, an enormous explosion, the like of which no one had ever seen, blew the temple walls and roof into the sky. When the dust settled and the air cleared, 
and the witches and warlocks picked themselves up off the ground, the temple was no more. Nothing stood except a few circles of stone arches. Modern mortals look in awe at the ruins they call Stonehenge, but mention the name Stonehenge to the witches of the world, and to this very day they shake their heads in dismay and mutter about the shame of the Macquarie's. And it came to pass that in the year of our Lord, 1813, there were only two witches left in all of Scotland, a Maclean and, of all things, a Macquarie.